Welcome to the Jeff Caven Show, where we talk about the Bible, discipleship, and evangelization, putting it all together and living as activated disciples. This is show 341, introducing the Bible Timeline Show. Be sure to check out the Bible Timeline Show on the Bible in a Year YouTube channel. A new episode releases on Sunday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. There's a lot of things that people know about me. They're like, oh, I really like Father Mike. And I know that, but if you knew the whole story, you wouldn't like me as much. I mean that in a genuine... Transparent. Yeah, and I know that God has blessed me in a unique way for my youth. You know, through no goodness of my own, that God did something in my life. And I was like, oh, I didn't deserve that at all. If you could talk one-on-one with all those who have gone through Bible a year and say, oh, by the way, just... Just one more thing, remember. What would you say? Gosh, that's a great question. Uh, so thanks. good to have you. Thanks, Jeff. It's awesome to be here. I was also on the first the first show. It is. Right? It is. You know, and while we're not really getting into, I guess what you would say is a period of salvation history, uh, we're going to be doing that. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about the Bible in your life and Bible in a year because uh, you and I have been friends for a long time, and I have seen uh, what God has done through you in bringing Scripture uh, to people, and I'm I'm just fascinated, you know, with what. And you probably didn't know he's going to do this. Not at all. No, not at all. I mean, I always I've always had I uh, I've had like a lot of people. I think the um the love the distant love of Scripture, like the idea. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of here's God speaking to us and. That that notion of like I want to know. I mean, I remember you sharing your the when you got confirmed, right? And you had gone back to your your room and you're just like, I want to know what's in this book. And I remember that when you said that, I was like, Oh, me too. Like that would that was something that was deeply in me. I, when I had a moment of conversion, like 15 years old or so, um, that summer I went to the Crow Wing County Fair. Uh huh. I got my first little Gideon. The New Testament and Psalms. Ones that caught, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I want to know this, you know? And so I remember starting to read Matthew and be like, okay, this is confusing. I mean, even the gospels, I was like, wait, why is this genealogy here? I don't know what to do. But but there was always that sense. I mean, that Christmas then, again, I was 15, turning 16. Um, that Christmas, I asked for a, my first Bible, like real Bible. Sure. And yeah, I still have it. It's got duct tape all over it. It's just, it's falling apart. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a mess. But, but it was that sense of like, I want to know what this is. And uh it's almost I, like I, it's just drawing you. Yeah. You know, it's come read. But but there was that sense of, uh, I, have, I would have no idea that um, God could use, yeah, would be able to use what I was offering. Right. To be reach so many people. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in that picture at a future show of that day when I held up that Bible, yeah. a confirmation and I never thought that that would be the rest of my life. And yeah. I just imagine back when you were, we're both hockey players. Well, uh, were you? I was really bad. Okay. I played for five years and never scored a goal. Um, I mean, not, not even in practice. Me too. Were you a goalie? Though? I was a goalie. Dang it. Okay. Okay. So the one time I did score, I was playing goalie and it came from the other end of the rink and I wound up to, but the, the goalie stick is angled differently than another stick. Yes, it is. So I just wound up to just crush it whiff and went right past me. That's the closest I had to ever scoring a goal. And my uncle who was coaching just skated out to me. He's like, Hey, Mike, how about we, how about we get back to the, 
Back to the seats, back to the bench. <laughs> that was it. That was, that was done. That. How has this last year been for you? I mean, you went on, I know you're a long distance runner, but you've never, I never knew you were a long distance talker. Okay. <laughs> like, what, I think six and a half days or something total of the Bible. Is that what Something like that. Yeah. That was one of the stats that was there. Um, yeah. It's been incredible. Like, really incredible. Um, because both, both for me personally, and then just also re re seeing, hearing what God has done in so many people's lives, just simply by reading the Bible and just letting people, I guess for lack of a better way to say it is join me on that journey of reading the Bible. Um, which, yeah, that, that's probably the best way to say it because it wasn't like, I, you're an expert in, in my, in, at least in, in my estimation. <laughs> and in my life, you've been the expert. You've been the person I could just look to and say, okay, whatever, uh, what has Jeff said about this kind of thing? But I think in some ways, I, of course, I, I studied scripture in college, like at, as a theology major, and I studied scripture in seminary and studied scripture afterwards. But there was the part, doing the Bible in a year, I think I was on the journey too, if that makes any sense. Right. That there were some things I was discovering that I had never contemplated before. I never put in context before. Um, I don't think, and this is maybe one of those confession moments, um, I was so... I knew that Leviticus, like you mentioned, is would always be tough. Levitic, Leviticus was amazing. It was uh, the prophets. I don't think I'd ever read chapter one to the end of any of the books of the prophets. I'd read all of the words, I think, at some point. Sure. But I'd never said, okay, here's Isaiah in context and do the whole thing. Or here's Jeremiah in context and did the whole thing. And uh, so I was a lot, in large part, I was on the journey as well. Right. Well, when you when you were doing it, uh, no doubt you're getting feedback right away yeah. I mean, from all over the world. And you're you're getting email and you're getting texts from people and people leaving messages about what it is doing uh, in their life. What what were you hearing? Um, I was hearing that. I mean, this is going to sound well, I don't know what it's going to sound like. Um, you know how uh, scripture says that, like, you know, the word descends like rain mm -hmm. on the earth and it doesn't go back, return until it does what it was accomplished, what it does what it was sent to do. And it just seemed like that's what was happening again and again in people's lives was, it was, um, people's lives were being changed. I mean, even this last week, I got a text from a, a brother priest in Michigan and I met him once or twice and he said, hey, by the way, um, so I wanna let you know, someone came to confession for the first time in 55 years because of the Bible, because they're reading, listening to the Bible. Amazing. And that is, that is one of, hundreds, thousands. I was in Phoenix recently and I got to like sign some books and stuff. And every time someone would ask me to sign their great adventure Bible, I'd be like, you know, I didn't write this. Just making sure. Just the right. narrator, not the writer. That's um, the same thing. Very it's, important. Just want to say that. <laughs> like, I know. Okay. But, <laughs> but people who were like, my life has changed. They're saved. I mean, it just, right. And, and again, what is it? Simply giving people access to God's word. Cause it's obviously like for us, the power is in the Holy Spirit. The power is in the word of God. Um, that's what changes people's lives. It's not mm -hmm. in uh, genius teaching or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's, that has been transformative for me as well. Just to recognize, you know, sometimes all you have to do is just speak the word or let the word be accessible to others. Right. And God does it. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, when you bring that, you bring this this uh, this point up about being a voice, and I think that's something for people to remember. You know, right. is that it's not your word, right? It is God's word, and God's word will not return into Him void, but it will accomplish that which He desires. And and to to yield your voice 
mm-hmm. to the Lord, like uh, like someone you know, a lector reading at mass. They're saying, "Lord, use my voice yeah. to speak," and and that's what you did just yesterday. Just yesterday, I'll have to show you later. Just yesterday, someone sent me a picture. Their mother was in the hospital and she was just diagnosed with cancer and she was in pain. And he sent me a picture of her and in front of the bed, there was a laptop open and there you were speaking the word of God to her and she was literally writhing in pain. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's... That's what we wanted. That's what we what we want to do is to bring God's word to hurting people. Yeah, and that that was a uh, you mentioned that I also uh, within the last month another some, something very similar. Uh, someone in the hospital, their daughter took a photo and said, "Here's my mom. She's still listening to the Bible." Um, there was a mom who actually she contacted me. Uh, just one of the most like heart wrenching letters um, that her one of her sons had this. Inc- incredible, uh, debilitating illness that ultimately ended up taking his life. And he wasn't very old at all, um, between eight and 12, somewhere in there, real young. Um, and ultimately, uh, it also ended up taking his hearing. And so she said that, but he'd always, he'd, he'd like write on a whiteboard, just, you know, Father Mike, question mark, just because I wanted, he wanted to listen to the Bible. Um, and she said that we'd have to turn it. He, his hearing was going, so they had to turn the volume up all the way. And she said in her letter, she said, even when he, he couldn't hear my voice, he could hear your voice mm-hmm. and he could hear God's, you know, God's voice. And it's just like, oh my gosh, is this such a, yeah, it's just, it's, and you mentioned, um, you know, in the catechism, it talks about if you're a catechist, you're lending your lips to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're letting him use your voice. You're letting him use, uh, if you're going to teach, it's actually him who teaches uh, and we're just simply at his disposal, right? We're, we're, in some ways, a vessel um, through which God can reach people who need to be reached. Now, people are familiar with the Bible in a year. Yeah. Bible in a year. Everybody gets that. You don't even have to explain it. Bible, year, let's, <laughs> let's do it. it. Makes sense. <laughs> but now you're going to go on another marathon. Yeah. And you're going to read the catechism in a year. And you got to admit, we as Catholics, we have a lot of meta words. You know, (laughs) we got the catechism taught by a catechist to the catechumens. Catechesis is the process and we use a catechism to do it. Yes. Am I clear? That was really good. Okay. I understood every word. Okay. So for, for many, for many Catholics, they know that, okay, sure. Bible in a year. Yeah. Let's, let's do the catechism in a year. But for people who uh, I might add a lot of people who went through the Bible in a year, don't know what a catechism is or what the purpose of it is. What's your elevator pitch there? What would you say to them? What- yeah. Well, I think, um, gosh, that's a great question because what would be the elevator pitch? I would say that um, one of the things we say, what's a catechism? It's a summary of the Christian faith. So it's very, very similar, mm-hmm. or very succinct, uh, simply put. Um, but but why would you want a summary of the faith if you could have the Bible itself? Sure. Why would you have a summary of the faith if you could have God's very word revealed, you know, so through sacred scripture. Well, part of it is because what God has revealed is not um, always clearly elucidated in sacred scripture. Um, but sacred tradition has made, has taken that data of scripture and clarified, okay, here's what it means. Like, so, so for example, a person could read through the Bible and you can miss some things about the nature of God. You can miss some things about the goodness of God or the, or the holiness of God, because maybe you, you read something that was really challenging and it'd be tempting to 
to remember the part that says, okay, but remember God is completely just, that he is so good, that he is love. It'd be easy to sometimes forget some of those things. So the catechism is this, again, a sacred tradition put into this really simple and succinct summary of things. Don't forget this. This is, we took the data of scripture um, inspired by the Holy Spirit and in under that inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's sacred tradition um, and the catechism is a summary of that. So we don't forget what God has revealed about himself, about us, about our call to how we're supposed to live. Um, I mean, there are some areas of the Christian life that the Bible doesn't address. I mean, for example, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, when they have the big question of, um, should uh, those who are not baptized, for, sorry, not circumcised, first be circumcised and then be baptized. Right. And the apostles and those early disciples were like, well, Jesus didn't say anything about that. What do we do? The Bible doesn't say anything about that. What do we do? Um, and they prayed and here's sacred tradition that says, okay, it seems clear to the Holy Spirit and to us that, and then fill in the blanks. Here's the conclusion. And we recognize that here we are 2000 years later and we're experiencing questions and difficulties that the early church didn't experience. And so the catechism is a phenomenal way to address uh, those complex issues. This, so this is a long elevator ride. And I yeah, apologize. We're, we're all the way up to the 50th <laughs> floor right now. Yeah, but that's, slow but that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's just this, this wisdom that has been accumulated and developed and revealed for now centuries mm -hmm. and, and, and distilled. And there it is given in this very simple, accessible, beautiful book. It is. Produced by it Ascension. Is. <laughs> and they did. And you know what really got me uh, really excited about it? is that they have a timeline. Yeah. It's it's a it's a, you have it with you. I, I call it like a baby baby brother yeah. to the to the great adventure Bible timeline and this is amazing. It's so cool. Quickly hey, teach me. So so here's the four pillars like column of the catechism. And so the foundations of faith approach to the catechism is okay, these four pillars First one is the creed, so what we believe. The second is the sacraments, so how we worship. The third is the moral life, so how we live. And the fourth is prayer, so how do we pray? You did that without even looking. I didn't even have to glance down. <laughs> but but there's that sense of this, it just, it covers these aspects of life, covers these aspects, this fact of what is it to be a disciple of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I have to believe rightly and I have, want to worship right, and I want to live right, and I want to pray right. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing that, I just, I don't know. I mean, you, we, we, had talked, we had talked about this before, but um, I can't love what I don't know. Right. I can't love who I don't know. And so part of what, here's what, what is, what is Ryan Revelation? This is God revealing himself to man as a conscious subject because he wants us so he wants to invite us into a, this loving relationship, right? He wants to enter into this relationship and he wants us to know who he is so that we can actually genuinely love him. Not just love an idea of God, but love the actual God himself. And right. I just, um, so anyway, so I really think that not only scripture, obviously, because God reveals his heart to us and gives his heart to us. Um, but in the catechism, it's just, um, it seems like, I would say bullet after bullet, just like, okay, here's this truth. And here's this another thing to contemplate about mm -hmm. uh, who God is and his love for us. And I mean, even the first paragraphs that are introdu introducing what a catechism is, talk about, they're, they're paragraphs that sing on just God in a plan of sheer goodness for yeah. us. Yeah. You know? Let me, let me just read that real quick because, you know, you always talk about what are your favorite paragraphs right. in the catechism? <laughs> What's your favorite verse in the, in the Bible? And I would have to say that the first paragraph is one of my 
is one of my top 100. Yeah, it's one, and, of, the, and, it's one of my top 250, but yeah. Yeah, but, but listen to this. If this isn't a synopsis of, of Bible in a year, if this isn't a synopsis of Bible in a year, I don't know what is. Listen to this. God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man, and he calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. And to accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and savior. And in his son and through him, he invites men to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. Amen. Seriously, it's, a, that, that is, it's the gospel. That's it. Yeah. But there's more to it, right? <laughs> it goes beyond that paragraph. There's more to yeah. it for, for sure. So, over, okay, back to the Bible for a moment here. In this last year, uh, when you were reading the Bible and talking to people, did you get a sense that, that, that they were getting it? Did you get a sense oh. of that? Or, or were they just as confused? You know, no, like, I th- like, I, the sense I got was, yeah, that was that people were getting it. And one of the re- one of the reasons I know that, well, two reasons. One is because conversions were happening. Mm-hmm. Like there was actual life change. Um, there are so many people, like you mentioned, here's this you know, photograph of this woman in pain, but reading the Bible, listening to the Bible um, and finding solace. I, so many people, I, I, a woman stopped me just a couple nights ago and uh, I was out with a friend in a restaurant and, and she had said that she had the worst, worst year of her life mm-hmm. um, last year. And, uh, but every day she just, kept pressing play and this listening to God's word. And it's one of those things where it's like, she said, I don't know if I could have made it through this year. It would have been unbearable mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for God's word, right? It hadn't been for that. The other is um, not only has God's word been consoling so many people, like supporting them and encouraging them, it's also been really convicting, um, especially I just think it, the number of people who have reached out to me, whether they didn't believe in God, whether they were... Uh, lapsed Christians, lapsed Catholics, or even practicing. But the way that taking in the entirety of the Bible challenged them was one that I was just like, this is so good. Because they thought they had a, they thought they knew who God was, um, but they had a version of God, whether it be like an American version, mm-hmm. um, an evangelical version, a uh, a health and wealth type version. and. To be able to say, no, this is actually how God has revealed himself in sacred scripture. Um, not take him or leave him, but kind of. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to say, wait, do I actually want a God like this? Do I want the God who reveals himself to actually be just as much justice as he is mercy? Um, or vice versa, mm-hmm. because sometimes we're challenged more by the mercy because we realize we not only need it for ourselves, but we need to offer it to others. And so it's been both consoling, encouraging, as well as really challenging for a lot of people. And that's why I just like think, I think people have gotten it because you, you had to have had people say, you, you know, they say, I'm going through a, I'm going through a Bible in a year, but Father, I'm, I'm like, I'm only on day yeah. 54 <laughs> and it's day 130. And you think, right. what do you say to them? I say, I'm, I'm, three, I'm 30 days behind myself. So this year I've been listening. I've been going through the Bible, uh, listening to it. I have to listen to it on a little faster speed, um, both because... Um, I just like going faster. And secondly, because that way I don't hear myself as much. I just hear the word. And so it's not like, oh, I'm talking, what a moron. Um, <laughs> that's what I always think. Um, but so I'm, I'm 30 plus days behind now. I'm like, yeah, but what I do every day 
if if I've missed, just press play again. And that's the thing is, you, know, you mentioned at the very, very mm-hmm. beginning, uh, some people on the Bible in two years, like, yep, that is awesome. Um, there's no reason not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of people, the Bible is simply a book on a shelf at a bookstore, or they hear about right. it. As as believers, as Catholics, the Bible has a very special place in, in our life. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about where it came from and uh, how, this was, how this was put together and the nature of it, because it's unlike any other book out there. But I want to start, first of all, with it's not a book, right. per se, right? It's, it's, in, it's in one binding, but there, as you mentioned, is 73, it's a library. Right. 73 yeah. different books with, with how many different genres, you know, poetry and history. Mm-hmm. Um, you have gospel, you have uh, a wisdom literature, you know, even the prophetic literature, like mentioned of Jeremiah and Isaiah, like that's a whole nother kind of, uh, how do you read that kind of thing? Right. Um, yeah, so it's a whole different, it's a library mm-hmm. rather than just a book, yeah. And it, it, to recognize that here's Jesus who established the church before the New Testament existed. So the church precedes the New Testament um, in time and, and the New Testament actually comes from many ways, comes out of the church. It's a tradition. Comes out of the life of the church, out of the tradition, exactly. And and it's so fascinating to recognize that, you know, for the Old Testament, um, this is assembled over hundreds and hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. these um, sacred writings, but they're also in time. And this is one of the things that um, the the Catholic Church believes about the word of God, or sacred scripture, is that this is the word of God, in the words of men. And there's something so, uh, it's a divinely inspired, right? God breathed by it, about it, but also very human as well. Meaning that actual authors, according to their own knowledge, according to their own time frame, and all these kind of things with their own personal limitations, um, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote down those things and only those things that God wanted to reveal to his people. Right. And that's just like, it's a, it, I love the, the mix of this because again, when I go back to when I was 15 and first picked up, that you know, small Gideon, New Testament, and Pro- uh, Proverbs and Psalms. I'm like, I, th- I thought of the Bible as a magical book, which in, in some ways is magical. You know what I mean? Um, it, but it is. Uh, there's something not just otherworldly, not just God breathed about it, but also very much in time. Mm-hmm. And and in the messiness of life, and you think, well, wait, why is that in the Bible instead of like something nicer, instead of something more inspiring? You realize, okay, because God wanted to reveal that somehow, right. and He revealed it through that particular right author, and then so the Old Testament being assembled over the course of all these years, and then as you said, here is the New Testament, which comes out of the, comes out of the life of the church. Right. You got to ask ourselves. You have to ask yourself. Well, what did the early church go by yeah. for those years? Because the canon wasn't really affirmed until 393 and 397 yeah. in the councils of Hippo and Carthage. And so before that, you have these letters that have been passed around. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians just two weeks ago. I was in Philippi. Awesome. I was That's in good. Corinth. We had a wonderful trip there. And, and to stand there and to think, Paul wrote a letter a messy letter to the Corinthians about what they're doing and what they got to stop doing with their traditions and their, the temples and so forth. And he wrote that and lo and behold, we we find out that was inspired. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Did he know, like, I think sometimes my, my image of um, the inspiration of, of God here's as Paul writing his letter was, you know, that God at some point, like just took him over and he just like, 
Yeah, right. Automatic <laughs> writing. Closed. Or even I have a, uh, my little brother's room, he, uh, he has a picture of Matthew, the apostle, as he's writing the gospel of Matthew. And there's a little painting of, it's not a photo, it's a painting um, of uh, an angel whispering in his ear. And he's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, kind of as he's, and neither of those would be, they represent something, a reality, which is, it's God breathed, right? God inspired. But again, here is in the messiness of this church, God is, was speaking to his people, not just in that time, in that place in Corinth or in Philippi, but to all of us mm -hmm. and, and, and saying, this is what I need you to know in order to know me, in order right. to know what I long want for you. Yeah, our certitude with the Bible, particularly the New Testament, does get back to the church that Jesus right. established. Because, and St. Augustine brought this out. Yeah. He says, I would not believe that this is the word of God had the church not told me, right? you know? And so as Paul wrote, and he talked about how the, the church is the pillar and support of the truth. And out of this church comes the written word. And, 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 and we get the word of God in scripture, sacred scripture, but sacred tradition too. Yeah. And Paul says, uh, you know, tend to the tradition that I passed on to you. Well, we didn't have the New Testament right. at that at that point. And so it is because of the authority of the church that we have these books and we there's a cert, certain sense of certitude that we can depend upon them, that this is the word of God. So when we call the Bible the word of God, it and, and we talk about it being inspired, we're not necessarily saying it's inspiring. Right, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, you know, it's like that. inspired, meaning that... God's the author. Right. The Holy Spirit is the author. And the Holy Spirit wrote through these men. The men wrote what they wanted to write, but the Holy Spirit wrote what he wanted to be written for the sake of our salvation, as you as you said that. And that word you you mentioned it earlier, Theo Nustos, God, mm -hmm. God breathed. So the word of God is the inspired, the Bible's inspired word of God, which means no errors inerrant. We believe that it's inerrant. And right away, people are going to say, oh, I think there's all kinds of, you know, discrepancies and this and this and that, to which I like what, what St. Augustine would say, you know, that basically uh, it'll work its way out. Right. And we, we'll know sooner or later. The problem isn't with God, trust me. The problem right. is with you. And you're going, you're going to end up finding out what that what that meant, right. you know. And, uh, and so for the early church, this was the norm. They you know they had these letters, and then of course it was put into the it put into the canon. And all these years, it has been a guide for us, and it's God leading and directing us and encouraging us, correcting all of these things. And that's such a blessing. Yeah, completely. I mean, especially you know we recognize the the need for the church not only to give us the Bible, but to interpret the Bible. Good point. Yeah, just that sense of like if we. Well, I remember hearing a, there was a theologian, a philosopher, in fact, who said, um, the, the church, for in order for the Bible to be infallible, the church has to be infallible uh, because a fallible organization cannot produce an infallible document. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting. But then to go beyond that and say, well, here is God who goes to, so in some ways, goes to all this trouble to reveal himself through scripture. Um, thousands of years, you know, translations and copies and all these kind of things. Um, because he wants you to know who he is. He doesn't want you to get, he doesn't want us to get his identity wrong. Um, and so here we are at the end of the, like you said, three, 350 um, and 397. Here's the list, 73 books. 
all inspired, all infallible, how much sense would it make for God to go to all this trouble to reveal himself to us, to create an infallible book and then say, well, here you go, read it and tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. Like we'd have to have an infallible interpreter or else that infallible book is worthless mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you could read it and come to one conclusion. I could read it, come to the opposite conclusion. So we need not only the infallible church to produce the infallible word of God, but also to interpret mm -hmm. even now. Do you struggle with that at all? Uh, I'm ask, asking this hypothetically that um, we believe that the church has received the deposit of faith, what Jesus taught. He taught the disciples, we have the sacred scripture, we have the sacred tradition, not tradition like we open presents on Christmas <laughs> right. Eve, but the tradition, you know, that Mary is the mother of God, the council of Ephesus, for example. Um, and ultimately it gets back to, do we believe that Jesus gave authority to the church right. and that the church can keep this, can keep this together? Have you ever struggled with that? Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I mean, er earlier on um, in my life, uh, that had become uh, a kind of a real crux point in in, in my life. Yeah, I was, mm -hmm. was, I mentioned having kind of a initial conversion at 15, 16, however old I was right there and, and really wanting to learn more and more about God and learning to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I knew some things about what it meant to live as a Christian but at one point, you know, I'd gone to college and was really introduced with some thoughts that were, uh, or some ideas that really called into question the authority of the church. And uh, that basically you can't really trust the church. The church is also evolving and church is also, which, I mean, we are always performing. We're always trying, coming back to this place of conversion, but really undermining what will be the authority of the church and the, the, the fact that Jesus did give his authority. Um, to the church. And so I really uh, rebelled against the church in a pretty significant way. Maybe not as big in the sense of having left, like, like I but, but yeah, but my mind and my heart had left. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I, I, uh, I remember thinking I'll probably be Catholic the rest of my life, but I'll be embarrassed by a lot of these teachings <laughs> and I'll probably disagree with a lot of these teachings. And since I already have my degree in theology, I know what I'm rejecting. You know, I kind of know that I'm, I'm doing this, um, with, with knowledge, you know, I'm doing this for a reason, not just because I'm petty. turns out it was kind of petty. And uh, it wasn't when, it wasn't until it was revealed to me, taught to me like, oh no, here's where the authority comes from. Here's where you're actually wrong on this. And here's where the church is right. The whole long story, many times it happened and it happened so many times that it was, I was demonstrate, demonstrated to be wrong. And the church was demonstrated to be right that it was just was like, well, shoot. I mean, <laughs> this, it's, this is no, this is a non-starter now. This is no longer an issue. And for me, that's what it's been ever since. There was this deeper secondary or maybe tertiary or whatever, a conversion that um, made it very, very clear mm -hmm. that uh, I can trust the church. Mm -hmm. And it's similar to that sense of, okay, I can trust God's word. If I don't get it, like you mentioned, St. Augustine, if I don't get it, the problem's with me. Like if I, if I don't get it, it's because I might be most likely reading this wrong or my own intellect mm -hmm. or my uh, heart is my, it, that's the limitation. Right. And same thing has been true with the church. Um, uh, even when you come face to face with the humanity of the church and brokenness and sin in the church, um, again, it's a grace to be able to see that and say, Okay, that isn't the teaching of the church, especially like the brokenness and the sin and like the evil that people have done either in the church or in the name of the church or both. That's like, that's 
that's people not living up to the teachings of the church. That's people not living up to the gospel. Even the scriptures, even, you know, St. Paul's letter to Timothy, he says, what is the pillar and foundation of truth? The pillar and foundation of truth is the church. Mm-hmm. And so that sense of being able to say, again, not triumphalistically, right? Not, not And I, I know our conversation could be someone to tune into it and be like, oh, you guys just think the Catholic church is right and you want to kind of bang, bang your own drum. <laughs> and in a certain sense of like, well, yes, <laughs> maybe, but at the same time, what joy is there? Like, so when we um, read through the whole Bible and the podcast, Bible on Ear, um, we read all 73 books, including those seven uh, deuterocanonical books that a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters haven't ever heard of or mm-hmm. even read. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways we wanted to introduce them was a way, a way of saying, okay, this is a treasure that you just haven't had access to. You didn't even know this was part of your inheritance. Right. And that's, a, I think that's part that's of- That's where I was. You, yeah, exactly. What, you're, what we're saying is like, mm-hmm. so if someone doesn't know about, uh, here's baptism, here's the Eucharist, here are all those, you know, really big, powerful ex, um, ways in which God- comes into our lives or how do I live marriage and what is marriage in the first place? All these pieces. Um, it's not trying to say, well, we over here on this team, we have so much more things than you do. It's that sense of saying, you realize this is the fullness of the inheritance that God wants for everyone to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, not our, t- our team wins or our side right. is the best as much as it is. This is the inheritance that you might not even know what you have access to. You might not even know it was there. It's there for you. Yeah. And uh, and so part of that inheritance is scripture, of course. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. I still remember the day so clearly. I was in Dayton, Ohio, and I was a pastor, and I was starting to read the early church fathers. And of course, scripture, yes. I mean, I love it. But I was reading the early church fathers and listening to common denominators, the Eucharist, uh, the role of Mary as the mother of, of Jesus, uh, the, the, the Bishop of Rome, uh, all of these various uh, teachings. And it made me so hungry mm. for more. So I didn't look at it as um, I'm right, you're wrong, or we have more, you have less, or anything like that at all. It was like, wait a minute. I mean, there's more, <laughs> right. there's more, I, if there's more, I want it, yeah. you know? And I think that's the right attitude, you know, for people to have is that if there's more, I want it. Yeah. I want as much of Jesus as I can possibly right. get. Well, God doesn't ration his spirit. And so he just pours out himself over and over again, all the time. And and for you, I mean, just even to go back to here, you had been, the the, the Bible had been the center of your life for years and years. I mean, studying, not just kind of like, I read the Bible regularly on a daily basis, but like studying the Bible to be able to examine every possible uh, way to understand it. And then realizing that was the first room. There is this whole other house that uh, that's there. And so it wasn't like, uh, that was fine, but it's, it's um, I need somewhere else. It's, mm-hmm. this is as much as I can. This is this gold mine. It's amazing. And wait, there's, there's not just a room, there's an entire house here too, which right. is, I think, is amazing. And I might add, uh, you know, as, as we're talking about this, that uh, over this next year, we're gonna have a lot of different shows. We're gonna have a lot of different speakers, uh, scholars, theologians who are gonna be joining us. And we're not gonna skirt around some of these topics. We're gonna hit them. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about them. And uh, with, a, with a heart that is, is open, what does God want for us? How can we receive more? And I hope you'll go with us on that journey. I, re- I really do, because it's really all about uh, understanding more and more about, about the Lord. 
there's there's two things you know and the catechism brings this brings this up uh two things that that we gain more and more of in scripture when we read it it talks about um the theology and it talks about what's called the economy mm-hmm. of god big fancy words you know the theology and the economy or what say oikonomia if you want to really sound smart yeah in greek it's great <laughs> oh yeah that makes you sound smart but you got the theology and the economy and the theology it speaks about um knowing the mystery of the trinity mm-hmm. And uh, that mystery of the Trinity, break it down even more. It's knowing the heart of your father. And when we talk about God revealing himself in sacred scripture, the one thing that is revealed for sure is the heart of our father, which sometimes is different than we thought. You know, sometimes people have this idea of who God is and you did something wrong. Boom, you know, that type of thing. You get to know the heart of your father. But then the other word that is used is the economy of God. Uh, Oikonomia. Yeah. The economy of God. And that speaks of a father's household plan. So when you read the Bible, you're going to find out about the heart of your father, but also the household plan. And that gives... That gives you a a platform in which you can trust. Right. And and talk to me a little bit about trust in the days that we're living in now. I'm hearing people, they're they're not finding what they're looking for in Hollywood, politics, social movements, and so forth. And I think one of the reasons the Bible in a year was so successful is because there's more questions than ever right now. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about trust and the Bible. Yeah, and that's really good. Also, not not necessarily finding what they're looking for in any individual either, whether that person not only be like a celebrity or a politician, but also, you know, religious leader. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that's really so powerful to recognize that, okay, Um, yes, every human being is fallen. Every human being is broken. Every human being is going to, at some point, let me down. And, and not in a, not to say that in a, like Eeyore kind of like a won't want kind of way, but just like, no, I just know this. Therefore I trust individuals. I trust human beings to the degree that they're trustworthy. Hopefully no less, but hopefully no more because that's just, that's, but we can trust the Lord, um, Without, without, without fail, we can trust the Lord uh, without uh, holding anything back. We don't have to guard ourselves from trusting him. And it's, it's something similar when it comes to, I can just lean into his word. Mm-hmm. And, and that it's not going to be, he's not going to lead me astray. Because again, if this was just a document that, that he passed on to us, that's interesting things we should know about me. That's one thing. But if this is, like you've mentioned, this is my very heart revealed and given to you so that you can actually learn to love me um, and I can share my life with you. Like there's a whole nother el- element there where I say, okay, I know I can trust in this because this reveals a trustworthy heart. Mm-hmm. And I just think, I don't know, um, again, in, 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 a, in a world where we recognize that too many of us have placed our, trusts, our trust in people and we shouldn't have, or institutions that we shouldn't have, or in politicians or promises or whatever the thing is that we shouldn't have, God demonstrates that he is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, it just... No one else is. Well, I mentioned earlier about coming back around to the church at large. You have the scripture, which is the great, it's the greatest treasure uh, to come out of the tradition of uh, the word of God is such a gift. But there's another thing that is a, a tremendous gift and, uh, and it's, it's equal to in veneration. That's the Eucharist. Yeah. And so when you take the Eucharist 
and you take the word of God, where's the one place that you celebrate both? Yeah. Well, I, I love the fact that even, um, was it, uh, shoot, uh, Dr. Scott Hahn has the book, uh, Consuming the Word. Right. And in it, he makes the connection of the, the, the term even testament is connected with the term covenant. And so the old book of the Old Testament is the Old Covenant and the New Testament is the New Covenant. So that, and what does Jesus say at the Last Supper? He says, take this all of you and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. And he makes the claim, and I think this just blew my mind when he pointed out, he said that the New Testament was a sacrament, that the Eucharist, before it became a document. And in fact, the only reason why we consider those letters in uh, gospels of the New Testament as New Testament is because they were read at the New Testament. They were read at the mass. And that's, that's just, what, are you kidding me? This is amazing. But it also highlights the fact that if I didn't know this, I'm a priest, I didn't know this until the last decade or whenever he read the, wrote the book. It's like, well, no wonder we have such a dis, disjoint, disjunction, we disconnect. <laughs> no wonder we have this disconnect between um, the sacramental life, right? The, the Eucharist, the mass and the Bible, even yeah. though, Okay, every time I go to Mass, what do I get? Like you said, I get the Bible and I get the Eucharist. Uh -huh. um, I just thought in some ways, maybe they were arbitrarily together. It's very helpful to read the scriptures as well as celebrate the Mass, uh -huh. uh, but not to realize- Narrow it down to two things. Yeah, exactly, but inextricably connected. Yeah, well, you see it in Luke chapter 24 too. Right. Oh you my know, gosh, when, yeah. When you see the, uh, the road, road to, to Emmaus. Emmaus. You got these two individuals who are walking away from the action. They're walking away from the stadium. Game's over, Jesus was crucified. We're going home. We thought it was gonna be something else. And Jesus joins them on the road. I get a kick out of that. He joins, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. And they look at him like, you're the only one that doesn't get it. And, uh, and uh, they were looking downcast, right? Yeah. All their hope they had, been, they had placed in Jesus and now the game's over. We yeah. lost. Yeah. And you think, again, you mentioned how we are right now. So many people in our lives, in our world, in our culture, it's like, oh, well, I thought this would be better. I thought 2022, 2023, 2024, I thought it'd be better. Game and here we are. <laughs> Game over, yeah. Yeah. So what Jesus says, well, what are you talking about? You know, what, what are you guys talking about? Well, you're the only one that doesn't know. What? And they said, well, about Jesus? And he gives them an amazing teaching. I'd love to, you know, if I get to heaven, please God, I want to listen to that right. teaching, you know. And he talks about throughout the entire Hebrew scriptures, why the Son of Man had to suffer. And he, give, he gives that to them. And then uh, he ends up staying with them. And in the breaking of the bread, their eyes are open. And so there, there seems to be this, this one-two punch right. in a way. You've got the, they've got the word, and you've got the Eucharist, and the two come together, and the result is that your eyes are opened, right. you are satisfied, you are fed, and truly fed, and that is the model for the man. Right. I mean, as were not our hearts burning within us as he opened the scriptures to us. Yeah. So they he. Their hearts are on fire as they hear God's word explained to them, and then their eyes are open. Like that, that, that again, that double movement of hearts on fire. Um, what I hoped in and I and failed, what I thought failed, is actually I can trust now again. That mm -hmm. that that I have hope once again. I have this love for the Lord, and then I can see Him. Mm -hmm. I can actually encounter Him, and it's just like, as you said, it, that that is the model for every time we go to mass. Yeah, have God's word proclaimed. Hearts here's on a, fire. Here's a, here's another thing that it. When 
When people get excited about the Lord, uh, oftentimes they get their Bible, you know, and they buy, start buying books and things. And that's good. That's really, really good. But it's a matter of explaining the faith. And, and why we're right and why, you know, right, that's yeah. apologetics, you know, and that's, there's certainly a, a room for apologetics, no doubt. But going beyond that, what can people expect from the word of God? Yeah. What, you know, someone says, well, why should I read this? Why should I study this? What, I guess that's that old question. What's in it for me? Yeah, no, that's, you know? that's a good. I mean, and I really do want to affirm, like you just said, apologetics, like knowing why we believe what we believe. That was so critical for me yeah. uh, a number of times in my life where it was, um, you can ask the question and I'm, if I don't know the answer, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't know why I believe that. And so to, real, to realize, oh, there are actually really good answers mm -hmm. to those really hard questions that helped me a ton. So I think, like you said, it has its place. Um, it's not the end though. I think it's some ways the, for me, it was, oh, so there are really good answers to these really hard questions that I can trust. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of kind of paved the way a little bit for, okay, now it's no longer about fighting, no longer about arguing. Now it's about living in this dynamic uh, relationship of love to use, you know, whatever kind of highfalutin language. But um, what can people expect? I think, um, you know, that, so I always think of this in relation to the book of Job, where um, the big question of, if God is good, why do, and good, if God is all good and all powerful, then why do bad things happen to good people? Because Job is presented right from the beginning as the best, right? He's a righteous human being. He's really good human being. God loves him. He cares about him. He's proud of him. He knows him. Uh, and then all these things, horrible things happen to him. And even in high school and in college, I remember reading the book of Job with that notion of, oh, I hear this is the best answer that we have to the problem of pain, to the problem of suffering. Mm -hmm. And getting to the end of it and realizing, wait, there's no answer. There's no, there's no reason that God gives in the book of Job of like, Job, this is why these things happen. And this is why they're gonna happen to everybody. There's no reason. And so I wanted an apologetic answer, um, which there are some really good ones. Um, it's the hardest questions to answer, um, but I love C.S. Lewis's. He has you know three books he wrote to answer that question, the problem of pain, uh, till we have faces and a grief observed are his three ways of looking at this issue, one from an intellectual perspective, uh, the problem of pain, one from a, a creative, uh, imaginative perspective of Tilia Paces, and then one from the emotional gut of his own grief and grief observed. But once those questions for me were answered, like the apologetic question, like, oh, this is how we can reconcile that God is all good, all powerful, and there's evil in the world, then I can go back and read Job and be like, oh, here is what God is ultimately saying, at least here's what I would say. That I love this line. At the end of all of this, God reveals, God shows up and basically questions Job and says, yeah, were you there when I created the stars? Were you there when, do you even know the depths of the ocean? Do you know these sea creatures that are just, you know, you have no idea. Um, and I remember thinking when I first read it, huh, God just shows up and kind of lectures Job and says, you don't know as much as I do, so be quiet. That's what I interpreted it as. And I missed the very most important line, I think, which is Job saying, before I'd only heard of you, but now I've seen you with my own eyes mm -hmm. and, I re and I repent of, I repent of my sin. I repent, sure. I repent of my, what I, my folly. Um, and ultimately it just revealed that, okay, after apologetics, after I get, I have a good intellectual grasp, God is inviting me to say, just trust me. If you can encounter me as I am, then even if you don't have an answer for why is this happening right now, 
you have the answer and the answer is me. And that's the, that the piece that's just like, what can you expect when you open yourself to God's word? You might not get an answer to every single one of your questions, but you get him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, that's, beautiful. that's the heart of it. There's so much more. And mm-hmm. th- this is, th- this is the exciting thing about studying the Bible. Uh, people have asked me, I've been studying the Bible for um, over 40, 45 years, something <laughs> like that. And, and they say, well, do you ever get tired of it? No, I don't get tired of it. It just gets deeper and deeper. It's like an onion, yeah. you know, with all the different uh, layers. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And I love what St. Ephraim said, you know, because sometimes people can become discouraged. They'll read the Bible or they're listening on Sunday and yeah. it's like, well, all of it, I, I didn't pick up all that. Or I went through Bible in a year and I don't remember a lot of it. I, yeah. I kind of feel bad. And St. Ephraim said, listen, Think of Bible reading and Bible studying as like a drinking fountain. He said, don't be discouraged by everything that fell to the ground, but but be encouraged for what you received. For you don't exhaust the fountain. The fountain exhausts you. Right. And so don't be all worked up about, well, I missed this and I missed that. Rejoice in what you got. Yeah. You know, you'll be back. There'll be more. I mean, it's, it's what I remember thinking is the very first time you and I ever went to Israel, mm-hmm. to the Holy Land together. I remember I was just like trying to take it all in. And there was this panic of, I can't, I can't take it all in. It's just too much. And then I thought, okay, I'm coming back. That was, I'm just, okay, that's it. I'm coming back. And then I was able to relax because mm-hmm. all the stuff I missed, I'm like, I'll be back. I'll get it next time or I'll get it the time after that. And I think sometimes it's like that for scripture as well. It's that sense of there's so much more here. And I just trying to cram it in. Like, it's going to be fine. You'll come back. You'll read this. Um, you'll let it be spoken or you'll speak it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is more, but there's also, God willing, more time. Yeah. So relax. And as, as Father said, you know, you're in that sandbox and enjoy. You're, you're not going to ruin it. You're not going to ruin the Bible. We haven't been able to do that. But you you can relax and enjoy and investigate and, and go to depths you never thought you'd go to before. And in the end, it all comes down to becoming more like Christ, doing what he said, being doers of the word and not just yeah. hearers. Now, there's a strong one for yeah. Bible in a year, you know, because <laughs> people were hearing it. Don't be just a hearer be a doer of the word. I want to turn our attention as we're getting ready to close here to some personal things. Okay. <laughs> about <laughs> you. Because <laughs> everybody wants to know some personal things about Father Mike. Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, and I'm excited to introduce you to the Ascension app. It contains the full text of the Great Adventure Bible, the full text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and both the Bible and Catechism in a Year podcast. The app has special features that make the connections between the Bible and the Catechism crystal clear, like color-coded crosslinks and easy navigation. It also answers nearly 1,000 questions from Bible in a Year listeners, about the Bible with videos from myself and others, also audio clips and excerpts from Ascension's popular books. To download the app, simply go to the App Store on your phone and search Ascension. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Carry it around everywhere I go. Okay, I got to ask you, what's your favorite verse? Um, It changes always. You know, on Fridays, we pray Psalm 50. I mean, I really mean it. And on Fridays, we pray Psalm 51 every morning. And I just love uh, Psalm 51. Um, have mercy, O God, have mercy. And there's a line that says, wash me more and more from my sin. Mm-hmm. And I just love that that image of this, wash me more and more. 
just, and not just once, but just more and more. Cause I realized that just, uh, like God, I need your, I need your mercy constantly that in, and just that the mercy that makes me new. There's one. Uh, another is cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Like that, again, it's one of the, one of those that just comes back and, and strikes me as far as, especially when I, when I feel, find myself being anxious mm-hmm. and that's another one. Um, for freedom, Christ set us free. Oh, I love that. So did not submit again to the yoke yeah. of slavery. And, um, among, uh, I just, at any given moment, if I'm praying, usually in front of the Eucharist, um, occasionally, meaning regularly, uh, the words, um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God mm. and the word was God. John one. And then jumping back to jumping to verse 14, I think, um, and the word became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us mm-hmm. and we beheld his glory, the glory as of a father's only son. Mm. And just, those are just these words that just, yeah. um, some of them are encouraging, right? To wash me more and more and cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And some just, especially that John one, um, it's just, this is true. This, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just a statement and it's not for me, but I get to behold it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and it just kind of lives inside. Yeah, you're talking about something that is so important for everybody who's gone through a Bible in a year. And that is you're hiding God's word right. in your heart. You're not just hearing it, you're hiding it in your heart. It'll feed you. It'll correct you. It'll yeah. comfort you, you know, in the future. And that's something that I really encourage all my students to do is start uh, memorizing. memorizing. Scripture. We used to do this. Um, we had a holy hour every morning. We still do up at the university. Um, but at the end of the holy hour, we had we added a new memorization verse oh. at the end of it. So by the end of the year, we had, you know, 40 different. We, it went on for like five minutes, like one, two, three. And it was awesome. It was so great. Um, but yeah, just hiding it there. Um, also recognizing that sometimes we're taking in God's word and it's sticking more than we realize. So the example, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but... Um, I was kind of lamenting a little bit of the fact that I don't really have scripture memorized overwhelmingly. You know, I know some people just like, it just comes out of them. It's amazing. Um, but I was on a retreat at a, at a like hermitage place uh, just north of Anoka and uh, called Pachaman Terrace. And I remember I was just walking in January. So everything was just covered in snow, super cold. And I was out kind of between this little hermitage I was in and uh, the trails all around. And I just wanted to praise God. And I remember as I was walking, all of a sudden, just the words of the Psalms just started coming to me. And I realized like, oh my gosh, like I've been praying these Psalms regularly, multiple times a day, not trying to memorize them, but just the fact that yeah. I returned to them, they lived inside. It's in there. Yeah. yeah. And so then when I needed to pray, it just, oh, here's that first line. Oh, I know the second line. Yeah. Oh, the third line. And it wasn't a memorization exercise. It was becoming like tattooed on my heart. It was coming embedded in my, in my heart and mind and just thought that happened. I didn't even mean for it to happen. That, no, that's beautiful. And that, and, and, you know, my friends, this is what uh, getting into the word of God will do for you is that, yeah, it's interesting to hear the whole story and to get, you know, get your arms around it, your mind around it. But when it's, you start to enter the story and you start to walk in that story and you hide God's word in your heart, his word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it will get into your heart and it will lead you and guide you and correct you and comfort you at the time when you you really need it. It's 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 really, really powerful. And I think everybody should have a life verse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got one, Galatians 2.20. That's my life verse. Yeah. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. That's my life verse. And I would encourage you to have a life verse 
uh, as well. Okay, of all the people in the Bible, <laughs> besides Samson, who do you <laughs> identify with the least, most and why? He's plenty broken, so I could maybe, <laughs> um, you know, I... You know, it's 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 very strange to have to get, well, the answer would be David. Hmm. And the answer is, you know, so my best friend, Nick, he says that um, he wants to be like Job's son, Job's kids, because uh, they didn't have a role, didn't have names that we know of necessarily, um, but they served a role in Job coming to know God in a deeper way, even at the cost of their lives. And he's just like, I'm like, that's a really good answer. That's a humble answer. That's a obscure answer. And you know, to pick one of the stars of the Old Testament, um, I don't mean that in the, way, the star way, I mean it in this way. David, uh, from his youth, uh, really experienced blessing from God. And I know that God has, has uh, blessed me in a unique way for my youth. You know, through no uh, goodness of my own that God just did something in my life. And I was like, oh, I didn't deserve that at all. Just like how David was anointed. He didn't deserve any of that at all. Um, I know that God has uh, used a certain moments in my life or certain gifts for, for him. And I'm like, okay, kind of like David. But I also know that uh, when you read all of David's life, you see a, a man who um, has been anointed by the Lord and has done good things. Um, but also see like someone, when you know his whole story, you don't like him as much. And I think that's, that's, that's a reality. I think mm. when I look at myself, I think there's a lot of things that people know about me. They're like, oh, I really like Father Mike. And I know that, but if you knew the whole story, you wouldn't like me as much. And I did not, I don't say that in a like, wah, no, no, wah, you know, violin way. I mean that in a genuine. Transparent. Yeah. Just that, that sense of, I love the hero who David is. And I'd like to be like the hero David is. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that I'm just as much the broken, uh, man that David is, that he had, um, when he lived on mission, he did so well. When he lived off mission, he did so awfully. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that too in my own heart. Um, and lastly, the big fear is David led a nation really, really well in many ways. Uh, but as, you know, we heard in the stories of Absalom and the stories of, you know, um, rest of some of the other, his other family members, he wasn't a very good father. And so, I see that as a warning, hope, rather than a prediction, <laughs> you know, as a warning of, okay, you can do a number of things well. You can maybe lead uh, a parish maybe, or we're trying to build a, a Newman Center and you can, you can do that well. But are you a good dad to the students? Are you a good father to the parishioners? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I, I, see, I see in David both some of the blessings that I think, you know, God has given, mm -hmm. but also a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, um, the shadow, maybe even you might say it like that, uh, or the warning, because because David's life could have been not. I want to say all blessing, because all of our lives are mixed like this. Um, but he had plenty of opportunities. Like even with Absalom, he had plenty of opportunities to reach out to Absalom himself before it was too late. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after Absalom was die had had died that David even you know says, "My son." Um, and I just, there's something about that, that just, I don't want to, I recognize enough David in me that I don't want to be David. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you could talk one-on-one -on -one with all those who have gone through Bible a year and say, oh, by the way, just, just one more thing. Remember, what would you say? Gosh, that's a great question. Uh, maybe it would be this. 
uh, actually, I think maybe two things. <laughs> one is that word. You said one more thing, remember. That is one of the refrains of the Bible. Again, again, just remember what God has done. Just don't forget this. And I think there's something about this. I don't want this to be, well, that's what I did in 2021. Or that's what I did in 2022. Um, but like, no, no, remember that here's what God has done. Here's what he's doing in your life. You're part of the story. So remember, the second thing would be uh, your story isn't over yet. Just remember your story's not over yet. And so um, for all of us, and that recognition of whether it be the the, the peak, you know, good times, um, uh, good times don't last, but neither do bad times. Mm -hmm. If it's a valley, just recognize sure. that. Uh, yeah, so it, we could so say, uh, don't put a period where God put a comma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great way to say it. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Okay, the last question. I'm asking everybody this question. Show me your Bible. <laughs> this is this show is, me your Bible. Can I show you mine? Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll lead in this. Great. I want to find out if people are living in their Bible. That's what I'm interested in. So I've had this Bible for a while. So this it is, is where I lived. You like writing. <laughs> I, I, I like writing. Show me your Bible. Okay, this is mine right here. I like, I like that there's a handprint here. You can see my there thumb. There sure is. See my thumb. That's where my thumb goes right here. Just boom. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, that's so a well-worn Bible. Inside is, I don't write as much in there as you. I underline things a lot. But, uh, but. Terry, that's good. That's. You lived in it. Yeah. And, this and is, you're continuing to live in it. And this is this weekend's homily. So there you go. You have a great adventure Bible too, don't you? You have a great adventure Bible. Yes, I left that at home. I'm sorry I didn't bring it. <laughs> like, yeah, wait let's, a second. Let's, let's close out. I'm going to ask you to pray for all of my good friends who are joining us and uh, are going on the catechism in a year. Yeah. And uh, some people are doing Bible in a year and catechism in a year. Just close out and, and, and pray for them. Awesome. You want me to pray? Yeah. You're no, are you praying? You're, you're praying. Okay, I will do it. You're better. <laughs> That's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we give you praise. We thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity to be in this place and the opportunity to talk to my friend Jeff. We thank you for all the people who have joined us and have put up with our conversation today. And hopefully just, Lord God, please bless them, not only through this conversation, uh, also through your word, through your sacraments, through your presence uh, that continues to abide with us and within us. We ask you to please uh, heal what has been uh, broken. We ask you to, to make whole what has been wounded. We ask you to please bring back to life what has died. And above all, Lord God, help us to be yours so fully, more fully today than ever before. Help us fall in love with you more today than ever before. Help us to know that we can trust in you today more than ever before. And may you be glorified now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you for watching. If you would like to see more amazing content on the Bible, be sure to like and subscribe.